It's the Kyle Hyman Show on Redeemer Radio. Could we invest in beauty? Right. As much as we invest in truth and goodness by going to Mass and receiving Mm -hmm. the sacraments, beauty appeals to our senses. We are human beings, we have senses, and senses inspire our passions. You can't talk about art history without seeing the impact Catholicism has had on art and the impact that art has had on Catholicism. It's time for our monthly art history lesson with Charles and Amanda Shepard from the Fort Wayne Museum of Art. Welcome back to our art history lesson. Today, we are doing something a little bit different, and I'm excited to learn about it. We're not talking about a specific art piece or a specific artist, but more about art in general and how we can enjoy it, not just at the museum. <laughs> That's right. But also in our home. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're talking about how art and beauty can be a part of everybody's lives and that it's not just for the select few, just like our Catholic faith uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, how beauty should be a part of your home life. Mm-hmm. So we're art people and We've acquired art over the years. I went to art school, so I I have some of my own paintings hanging in the house, and I've gotten some from family members. We were friends with artists, and they Uh give us prints, or we buy something from them. So we have a a modest home collection. You know, it's probably not of high high value, but it's something that we've developed over the years that means a whole lot to us. And we do it in a way to positively influence our family's faith life. Mm -hmm. And we're here to talk about how that can be done. Do you have so many pieces that you can't have them all on display at a time? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. There's always the under the bed collection. Mm -hmm. Yes. Is it in a rotation or... Um, Or the things that you grew out of and you say like, you know, I I really don't like that anymore. There are some, you know, and and those tend to be the inexpensive pieces that, Mm -hmm. you know, you might have picked up at an art fair that doesn't really fit the taste anymore. We've donated a few pieces back to the museum, like for our fundraiser gala. Yeah, some of that. You know, Uh we don't I'm not an accumulator. Uh Charles is an accumulator. So (laughs) we there's a little bit of tension there. (laughs) But, you know, and there are some pieces that. I love this story. We um, <laughs> we had this artist here, Christina Bothwell, and she makes these really beautiful glass sculptures of sort of like mystical animals and, you know, beautiful, sweet looking children, really kind of an otherworldly look to her sculpture. And she was here for an exhibition and we were having an event with her and Charles and I were hoping to have a baby. And she walked in the door and she said, I have this gift for you. Uh-huh. And it was this beautiful newborn infant, like a cast in glass, cast in like a lavender glass. <sighs> and I was like, Oh my gosh, it's so sweet. So wonderful. And oh, two weeks later, we found out that we were expecting our daughter. <laughs> and like, I just, I cannot believe that that happened. Yeah. And that sculpture, I want to give it to my daughter, Louisa, who's four. Uh-huh. She would wreck it. I, oh, right. I can't give it to her now. So it's it's Someday. sort of it's tucked away. Yeah. It's it's waiting for her. Maybe when she's twenty five, she'll uh-huh. be old enough for it. But there are things like that in the home that are so precious and so beautiful that they maybe don't have the prime location because our kids are still little. Child proof. Yeah, yeah. child proof. There is the reality of collecting right. that we all need to be aware of. <laughs> yes. 
So Charles, I want you to talk about how somebody could start collecting and that how it could be accessible to the average person. In order to tackle that question, let me, let me first point out that you've got new power with the internet mm-hmm. and online buying capabilities. But prior to that, you know, art fairs and charity auctions were always a great place to go to look for things because they're apt to be very interesting things available. Mm-hmm. And in the, in the case of charity auctions, you know, that's kind of neat because you're getting something for yourself and your home, but you're also helping out the charity. Yeah. And I think art fair shopping is great too, because the artists that go out for art fairs, you know, you sort of have to decide that's your way you're going to approach your career as opposed to being in the studio and being represented by a gallery. What you're saying is I'm going to be in the studio X amount of time, but then I'm, I'm going to put myself on the street, meet people and cut out the middleman. Mm-hmm. So I'm always in favor of, you know, go meet some artists at an art fair and you'll find some work probably that you, you will like. And we certainly have done that. But if you want to take it up a level, I suggest that people explore online auctions. Now, online auctions generally means there's an auction house somewhere in Fort Wayne, in Cleveland, in Miami. I mean, there, there's going to be a, a physical place where this auction house is. And generally, there are so many more auction houses around the country than anybody ever knew when all we talked about was Christie's and Sotheby's. But uh-huh. every city has at least one, if not more auction houses. And why is that? It's because people get things and when they pass, right. they go to auction. When they downsize, things go to auction. And you know, previously you'd have to live in Cleveland to know what auction houses are in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, now you search online for auctions of the kind of things you like and all these, your screen be populated by all these different auction houses that have just kind of like the thing you were looking for. Uh-huh. So then you, you narrow it down to, well, specifically, I want art, but even more specifically, I want prints. Uh, even more specifically, I want prints that show uh, city life or country life, which might be more popular, actually. Your ability to buy art is huge these days. Now, take it up one more notch on top of that, and your ability to find art by known artists who exist in the pages of some art history book uh, somewhere Uh is higher too, because, and we've talked about this before to some extent, artists have a popular phase, uh, usually when they're peak of their career and they're alive and often after death, they kind of fade. But what if you wanted to have really beautiful things that move you, but also that were done by somebody who had historic significance. Well, now when you're doing your searching online, use this code word, somebody's name that uh-huh. you've looked up and you can build a wonderful collection that way. Of not the most popular pieces, but maybe some like sketch or something like that, that a famous artist did. Yes, that we're talking about. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now, going back to the, the notion of art fairs, I know that buying art can seem intimidating because one, art can be really expensive. Right. And like we said, fragile in the home if you have young children or a pet or you simply don't want to be that precious in your home. Um, but when you go to art fairs, like Charles said, you're cutting out a lot of pretense. You're usually in a parking lot. Uh-huh. It's usually blazing hot. Uh-huh. Everybody is, it's sort of a really level playing field. Artists want you to walk into their booth. They're 
usually dying to talk to you. You know, artists who run the art fair circuit are generally really excited about meeting their customers. Mm -hmm. You know, they're very much the opposite of the so-called, you know, Artists back in the studio. Artists back in the studio who will not deign to come out and talk to anybody. <laughs> they're, you know, and they they know that they're going to have a mixed audience of different budgets. So there might be, you know, a forty or fifty dollar beautiful small ceramic piece, and then there might be the seven hundred dollar mega wall piece uh-huh. that might be for a bigger, more fancy home. So. You don't have to start out with those three-figure investments. Uh, you can get some really nice pieces for low prices. And that's just a beautiful thing because you're supporting the artist directly. They made it with their own two hands. You get to take home a piece of original art. You haven't spent too much money. And you'll always have that treasured memory of that time you went to the art fair and you met this amazing artist. Yeah, I think it's a great way for families or individuals to start collecting if they want. Is that something, would you ever negotiate a price? Or I don't know what the proper etiquette is for something like that. Is it, that's the price? That's what you pay? Yeah, or, at, at an art fair, using that example, because it's, it's the most understandable, the artist will have priced it, and the artist will get bristly, touchy, if you suggest that, I know that says 250, but would you take 225? Uh-huh. And, and people think, here's the mistake that they're making. It's an honest mistake. You got yard sale right. things. <laughs> yard sale, you right. say, okay, that, you know, we had a yard sale and I had a brand new K cup curry coffee maker. Uh-huh. You know, we had two, so I'm going to sell one. Uh-huh. And the woman was after, I'm selling it for half price. And the woman's after the thing for like, a dollar. <laughs> and, and and she's, well, I didn't even know if it works. I thought, I'll make you a cup of coffee right now. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, I don't even know if you know how to make coffee. Well, okay. So there, there's, the, there's where you negotiate. Now, the right. artist in the booth is going to, if asked, is going to tell you, you know, I'm not a yard sale. Uh-huh. I'm an artist. And I've saved you money already because I'm not a gallerist mm-hmm. adding another 50% onto the price. So- you're getting it at the artist price, bare bones price. So don't negotiate with okay. me. And at least ten percent of the people that day will try to negotiate. Okay. And 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 the really the really tough ones in that negotiating realm wait till the last day of the fair and they say, Well, you know, you're gonna it's your last day. Mm-hmm. You haven't sold that. What do you think? And Truthfully, you still shouldn't do it. But here's what sometimes happens on the last day. Sometimes on the last day, the artist will see, if you're looking at something seriously, the artist is quite apt to say, you know what? I'm packing up in two hours. I'll take something off that. Uh-huh. And then it's perfectly okay to take the lower to price. Accept it. Okay. <laughs> yep. So why is this important for your home life, especially for people of faith who are striving at strengthening their faith. Well, we're talking about beauty, I think, and beauty being one of the transcendentals, Mm -hmm. truth, beauty, and goodness are synonymous with God himself. And in our family life, I think we emphasize truth and goodness a whole lot. We kind of know those through the teachings of the church and we know the goodness of God, but I don't think we spend as much time emphasizing beauty 
And, um, you know, Bishop Barron talks about the way of beauty, the via pulchritudinous as one of the best ways to evangelize the culture. Right. And if you think about our domestic church, we're constantly evangelizing our children and our spouse and being evangelized ourselves. And beauty has to be one of those ways that we do that. And so if you can include art in your home, fabulous. Mm -hmm. Um, I think too, that just by having a, a tidy and thoughtfully decorated home is a valid way to look at beauty in the home. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was talking to a friend about like, like my rug, I cannot have an ugly rug. We cannot have an ugly rug in my house. And he's like, it's just a rug, whatever. I'm like, no, it has to be beautiful because everything has to be beautiful. And that doesn't mean it has to be fussy or expensive. Mm -hmm. um, you know, think about your surroundings. When you're in an untidy, uh, dirty, sort of disordered environment, pay attention to your mood. Are you happy? Do you feel peaceful? I don't know about you. I feel a little stressed and like, ah, ah. I come uh, home and I see my kids clothes all over the floor and I'm like, mm, you know, I have to, I have to put it back in order or there's a certain part of me that doesn't have this peace. And as a mother of young children, I, it's a never ending battle. Right. I mean, like it's, it's right. I'm not saying parents listening to me out there thinking like, it's never going to end my tornado children throwing things around the house. I get it. But if we pay attention to why we want the tidiness, it's because we want beauty, which is because we want God. And mm -hmm. if we can make our homes beautiful, and if art is one of the ways that we can do that, I think we should we should try to include it. So you talking about the art shows kind of sounded like the lowest rung of the ladder, but I would assume like you can get posters and prints mm -hmm. and Etsy things yeah. for much yeah. cheaper than a, an original painting or yeah. like yes. you're talking about ceramics or something like that. How do you feel about things like that? Like getting a, a Salvador Dali last supper print for I, I $18 think it's wonderful. Yeah. Of the internet. Yeah. I, I think it's wonderful because I think that you're motivated by the appeal of that thing mm -hmm. to you. Uh, so it might be a poster of a painting that Dolly did or something that Picasso did, or it might just be maybe an unknown artist, you know? Uh -huh. um, but it had a power over you and it moved you in some way. And it's likely then if you were moved enough to get it, you'll be moved when you bring it to your home. Mm -hmm. and everybody's style in their home is, is, is different. There are people that are spare. There are people that, you know, oh, I've got not just one painting on the wall. I've got 15 paintings on the wall. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's okay. That's Can't all. tell what color the wall is anymore. Well, that's right. It doesn't even matter anymore, you know. But the fact that these things moved you, you know, you can extend that. We're gonna, this is a slippery slope, but let me just say that everybody's been at the beach before and found a shell that just knocked you out. Uh -huh. Okay. Now an artist didn't make it, uh -huh. you know, God made it, but is that worthy? I, you know, I'm a big shell person, okay. you know, and some of the shells that I, I have in our house when I don't have many, but some of them I've had for years from when I lived on a coast. Uh -huh. Well, it's like a sculpture to me. So yeah, it doesn't have to be expensive. It could be found in nature. It could be a poster. It could be, uh, I mean, in fact, it's actually kind of noble if you find something you really love and the artist's never been heard of, 
and maybe the artist will never be heard of. Right. Well, it means your ego's not tied up in it. Yeah. You know, oh, have you seen my Picasso, Kyle? You know, oh, uh, did, did you know how important I am to have yeah. that Picasso? Oh, this is my, uh, <laughs> you know, Bob Brown. Uh-huh. Who's Bob Brown? I don't know. You don't know either. But, so it's not know, my ego telling you that. his name on it. I don't know. Yeah. One caveat, it's totally valid to find artists on Etsy. You know, they're working artists. It's sort of like the art fair online marketplace. Just like in all things that we buy, I think we need to research where our money is going. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you love that Last Supper image and you want a print of it, knock yourself out. If you could maybe direct your money to a working artist, I think that's even more noble. And they're not always easy to find, but try to find Catholic artists Mm -hmm. out there. You know, they have websites. I've made some friends with a few in the past couple of years and have consciously tried to buy work from them because artists of faith, I think, are sort of have been taught, you know, don't include your faith in your work. And it's and they've been pushed to the margins and. I think as Catholics, if we can make room to prioritize their original work, even better. Yeah. And, you know, we're really good friends with Art Sislow, who's a Fort Wayne artist, and he made the most beautiful woodblock print of John the Baptist baptizing Jesus. And (laughs) I was in Art's studio and I saw that and he put a little gold leaf on it. It's black, white, and gold leaf. It's so beautiful. It's heartbreaking. And I said, Art, I was like, my breath is taken away. And he said, well, take it, take that. (sighs) And I just like, you know, because I was friends with him and because I had a relationship with him, he gave it to me. And, you know, those occurrences are rare. It doesn't always happen that way, but you can become close with an artist. You'll find yourself coming into some art in some cases. Well, and I think that's maybe a whole side conversation, but one, for us to have beautiful things in the home that mm-hmm. help elevate our faith and encourage us, inspire us, mm-hmm. challenge us maybe. The other thing is supporting artists. Right. And I think a lot of times we're always looking for the best deal. What can I get for free? Can I just print this off <laughs> on my, my own printer? I mean, whenever we're talking about music or film, you know, I'm already subscribed to this platform. So I get these things for free and I'm used to getting videos free or mm-hmm. getting music free. But to think, you know what? I wish there was more good art or good Catholic art or good Christian art mm-hmm. in the world. Well, then support. You could pay artists. for it. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And and to look out and I've thought about doing this with my kids and I've never actually done it, but to have like a, a fund where we have each kid or maybe it rotates mm-hmm. each kid gets a month mm-hmm. and you've got $40 mm-hmm. to spend on art. Mm-hmm. And it might be downloading a new album. Mm-hmm. It might be a f- movie that you want to watch mm-hmm. or a poster that you want to hang up in your room mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. But to start instilling this idea of supporting the arts well, sure. I mean, we talked kids. about patronage on this show. We can be art patrons. Yeah. We don't have to be wealthy kings and queens to do that. And I know that it can be hard to find extra money in the budget for a lot of people. But like you said, what could you stop spending money on? Maybe you get a daily Starbucks. I don't know. Yeah. Why don't you put that aside for a month and go buy an inexpensive print? And then once you get used to that, maybe you can go to the next level. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's like... <laughs> what are you investing in 
okay, could we invest in beauty? Right. As much as we invest in truth and goodness by going to mass and receiving mm-hmm. the sacraments, beauty appeals to our senses. We are human beings. We have senses and senses inspire our passions. And if beauty can help our passions be ordered to truth and goodness, it should totally be included. Yeah. Well, and you know, you're also, you invest in beauty, yes, but you're also investing in a person then, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's an interesting concept because we're, you know, we think often about giving something to the poor, making sure you are being charitable, but you know, when you buy art, from a living artist, you are being charitable and yet you're still getting something, which is kind of a neat thing. You know, that $40 uh, painting that you're buying, the artist probably spent $20 worth of materials and time doing (laughs) it, but still there's a $20 profit that's going to go to their grocery budget. They're going to sustain them. Mm -hmm. And that's really a cool feeling. And in terms of within the family, a neat way to get a little habit like that started is, you know, if you attend, let's say the, uh, the summer art fair. Mm-hmm. Think, okay, so we'll go to the summer art fair. Everybody's got $20. Mm-hmm. You know, let's buy some art, the summer art fair. And then we're not going to do it the rest of the year, but next summer yeah. we'll be back and we'll have this tradition yeah. and we'll do it over again. And kids are funny too, because I don't know if it's all kids, but I, I think I think it's true of kids that they remember that you went last year and that's where <sighs> I bought this thing. And this year, oh boy, I'm going to get one that I can go put with it. And... <laughs> That's a kind of a cool thing, yeah. you know, because mm-hmm. it teaches them to take care of things. Mm-hmm. It teaches them that this was a moment we were here as a family or, you know, well, and mom or dad always takes me there. You uh-huh. know, the best art is unique and unrepeatable. And that's how we talk about ourselves as human beings, as unique and unrepeatable. And I think in our homes, if we can sort of practice understanding that value not just with our loved ones, but also by looking at the things that we own, that this is really special. This is really unique and unrepeatable. It's not to the level of human dignity, but if you can help your children understand that this uh, unique thing made by this artist is precious and it's, it's made by another person, you know, understanding that can teach us about the dignity of all of God's creation Mm -hmm. and, uh, there's so many lessons to be learned by trying to include art in your life that I think every family should try to do it. Yeah. Well, e- even down to the motivation of an artist, um, I've been doing this for a long, long time. Uh-huh. And I don't know that I've really met more than one or two artists and all the artists I've ever met who actually got into art to make money. <laughs> Nine. 99% of the time you say, you know, w- what got you started? It's just, I love making things. Right. I love creating things. And I found a way to make a living yeah. with it. And I don't make a very good living, which yeah. is what most artists will tell you. I don't make a very good living, but I chose this rather than going out there to be a big earner mm-hmm. or, you know, accumulate a lot of money. So I think, that's pretty honorable in a sense. You you picked a job that really isn't economically very viable yeah. because you love to create something. Well, hats off to that, you know? You know, that's so true, Charles, because what you were saying about like getting stuff for free and just printing off the internet, mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's a very efficient way of looking at art. And I think our postmodern culture is kind of obsessed with efficiency and this is related to scientism and 
you know, art is incredibly inefficient. (laughs) And I mean that in the best way possible. It, you know, the best art, yes, it points us to God, but it's not instrumental of something else. It, you know, it's like, yes, it can teach us about history. Yes, it can, you know, teach us about the properties of light and such, but the best art is simply delightful and it has its own specialness that isn't about the efficiency of our day or like you said, making money or, you know, reducing life down to a series of steps to get to the end. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just sort of reveling in the delight of something is akin to resting on the Sabbath and um, delighting in nature. And I I think, the idea that people would, wouldn't go into art because of the money, you know, <laughs> I think those kind of occupations tend to be the most honorable to me mm-hmm. because they're doing it out of the love for it. And to yeah. me, it's, it's a calling they're, whether they realize it or not, it was a calling like people that go into education. You know, there's yes. not money in being an elementary teacher. You're doing it because you love it mm-hmm. because you are called to that and respond to that. And there's so much respect in that. And maybe being a, doctor or a, an engineer or so many people might be going into those fields just for the money. Yep. Well, obviously some people are, are doing it for the calling, but yeah, there's a purity to whenever you enter into a field where there's not a guarantee of yep. a paycheck. Sure. And, and okay. If we believe if what you're saying is true, that the artists, musicians have a calling, then the rest of us have a responsibility to support them in that. Right. And that includes buying their art if we can. Yeah. And, you know, not saying like, oh, that's not worthwhile. It's not valuable. You know, it's not efficient. It doesn't right. make any sense. It's not productive, so to speak. Well. Is this a good financial investment? Right. And it's like, maybe not. Probably right. not. You know, if you love it, you shouldn't really think about it. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not saying that we we could just start spending all of our money on art or that everybody has a lot of money to buy art, but if you are, let's say in that successful position of having a great career as a, let's say a doctor, a lawyer say, and you like art, consider it part of your responsibility to support their calling. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's so easy to do and it's so genuine, Uh you know, and at the same time, you're going to have something really wonderful that you leave with. Um, you know, as we were talking this last little bit, I think of, of the artists at art fairs and I always love to go talk to the woodworkers, mm. you know, because every art fair is going to have at least two or three booths where the, there's someone who works in wood Yeah, and you get talking with them. And generally speaking, what you begin to learn is that they probably have been making wood in the basement for years and their spouse or relative said, stop, just get out of the basement and go take it to an art fair or something, do something with this. They might've been happy just to stay home and make boxes, you know? Um, Yeah, or turning bowls. And I I knew a guy down in Texas and we visited him and it was just something he did on the side. He just Mm -hmm. loved to to do it. And he'd just give them away to friends and family and everything. He didn't have any dreams of- He wants to turn that bowl. Yeah, he just, he'd find the perfect log and gonna just work on the lathe. I know. Yep, they love to do it. Yeah. Mm Every year at Covington, this guy is from Florida and he's a watercolorist. And his hang up, his real strong hang up is ball jars uh-huh. filled or empty. And, you know, of course, here we are in Indiana, yeah. home of the ball, of the ball jar. jar. So he spends his whole winter 
doing watercolors of ball jars in different settings on a table uh-huh. or putting some jam up or some, you know, canning something. <laughs> think, I got to ask you a question. You got an awful <laughs> lot of ball jars in here. He says, oh, it's what I like. Yeah. So I like, he said, but you know, I don't think people like them as much anymore. <laughs> He's really worried about it. He might not have an audience for ball jars anymore. Yeah, it, it ran its we course. We have one of his on our wall. Huh. They're really beautiful. He's really quite talented. The ball jar or the painting of the ball jar? Well, both, Kyle. <laughs> okay. He sees the beauty in the ball jar. Well, he, he might surround it with some fruit or, uh-huh. you know, glass marbles. And he's making, you know, what we call still life. And so you, generally in a still life, you, you put together let's say beautiful objects into this kind of interesting collection of things and you paint it and uh-huh. it's called a still life. And he does that with ball jars and it's really neat. Yeah. Well, and it's fun too, because his focus, the ball jar is such an ordinary thing, right? You know, probably everybody's got a ball jar somewhere in the house or your grandmother had one or your mother had one or something. And so he's elevated it to the subject of a painting. Mm-hmm. Well, and now it's mm-hmm. become such a, like a hipster icon. Yeah, right? exactly. Like, Drink you, your iced tea out of a ball jar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, or exactly. some kind of moonshine or That's something right. like that. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. All yeah. right. Well, I, I think this has been great. Any other tips on places to look, your art fair, local artists, obviously online, there's all kinds of stuff. Well, Etsy. I will plug the Paradigm Gallery at the Fort Wayne Museum of Art. Very we, good, yes. We, we have a, it's our gift shop. I hesitate to call it a gift shop because it's a gallery. We have things at all price points. You can buy wearables, you can buy jewelry. There's this really cool artist from Mexico does his own weavings. He weaves um, wallets and purses and hangings and rugs, paintings, um, Prints, affordable prints, pop-up cards. Furniture. Yes, furniture. Like benches and stuff. Yes, yeah. yes. Talk about woodworking. Just because it's useful doesn't mean it shouldn't be beautiful. And I would say it should be beautiful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, and see if you can make friends with an artist or just Google local <laughs> artists near me or yeah. Catholic artists. Oh, you'll get an answer. You will. You will. Yeah. You'll get an answer. Yeah. Well, and I, I've got to put one plug in for um, Catholic icons. If you search online for Catholic icons at auction, you'd be amazed at how many places you'll find, and sometimes they're expensive, Mm -hmm. but many, many times I've found these wonderful icons at $100 or $125, and so there's beauty, Mm -hmm. there's history, and there's our faith. Yeah. So if anybody's looking for icons, (laughs) look online. (laughs) Yeah. One of the things when we were talking about one of these arts a while back, when I was looking up the artist, one of the paintings was for sale for 5,500 euro. Mm-hmm. And it started making me wonder, when we're talking about famous paintings, what's a price range? Obviously, multi-millions, whatever. Like, but as far as a, an average consumer, is, is that something like, would you ever be able to afford a famous painting? Let, let's go. let's just say like the ones that we've talked about, maybe like what would be, well, um, two thoughts there. Uh, an artist who's been shown in a lot of gallery shows and a museum show or two who's alive still uh, is apt to start, let's say a painter, mm-hmm. it, 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 that work is apt to start at, Ten fifteen thousand dollars, and shoot quickly up to the thirty five or 
$65,000 range, not a problem at all. That's, okay. that's an average. <laughs> that's yeah. Okay. And now if they're, if they've gotten that level of regard and they're in a book somewhere, uh -huh. they've got catalogs of their work and things of that nature uh, and they pass away. Well, now, now they, the market enters another zone. Mm -hmm. So that painting that you could have had for $35,000 probably is now $75,000. Okay. Um, so it can get salty pretty quickly uh, if, like, if you're known. Like a famous Dolly painting or a Caravaggio. Like these are things oh, only museums. Millions. Yep. Millions. I mean, millions. Like, wow. Yes. Yeah. And, and most of them are in museums. Or, or in, in churches. Or in churches. <laughs> and those paintings are likely to never hit the market. Right. But there are private collector. I mean, <laughs> the, the art market is a topic for another day. But, <laughs> you know, the art market is its own beast. So when, when you see these outrageous prices, like 40 million, 50 million, 80 million, I know that wigs people out. It's crazy. It's yeah. absurd. However, you have to understand that a lot of these collectors, unfortunately, are parking money yeah. in these paintings. And because there's only one of this Da Vinci, I, I, there was a Da Vinci, I think, that went onto the market recently. It was a portrait of Christ, I think. Oh my gosh, like tens of millions of dollars. Uh -huh. And a lot of times the collectors are anonymous because this is like the stock market for them. Right. And they're somehow avoiding taxes in a way and uh. making a ton of money. It's not to say, I, I won't accuse them of not loving the work. I don't know if they do or not, but. It's probably just going in a vault somewhere. In some cases. Yeah, it's probably not even at yeah. the house. In some cases, the art never leaves the warehouse in Switzerland where there are no taxes, you know, like yeah. there have been cases where the paintings have changed hands, but did not leave the same storage vault in Europe somewhere. Uh, so that kind of collecting is pretty much out of the reach of right. what we're talking about <laughs> no, here. Yeah. Uh, but you can, you can get good paintings for a couple of hundred dollars at an art fair, good mm -hmm. paintings. I've picked up some good paintings you know, and yes, you, you some of the bigger ones you might see a thousand or two thousand dollars. Like Charles said, some of the more established artists that have galleries, they're selling for twenty five or thirty. It just depends on where you're buying, who the artist is, and what their history is. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been fascinating, mm -hmm. and I think very practical. I mean, we can all start somewhere, adding something. Yep. Be intentional. Mm -hmm. Maybe swap out some something that's a unattractive on your wall or that sure. empty space that you have on your wall think intentionally like yeah. what would what would help us as a family what yeah. would inspire us what would bring us joy and yeah. lead us to god because of its beauty sure and how can we support the arts at the same That's time right. good thank you so much charles and amanda shepherd appreciate it thank, thank you. you kyle if you have any suggestions comments or words of affirmation shoot us an email show at kylehyman.com and until next time, remember to leave room for the Holy Spirit. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit SpokeStreet.com.